Welcome back to No Love Lost, an AFC North roundtable, your premier go-to source for totally unbiased AFC North discourse. Today, we're going to recap the Browns Thursday night W. As always, we'll name a new king of the North and learn about the latest dick of the week. But first, the Cincinnati Bengals, just as we all had predicted at the beginning of the season, are the preeminent team in the AFC North, and maybe in the AFC and all of football at large. I'm joined by Jacob Bailey, a Steelers fan. He had the week off, a little stress-free. And also Ethan DeVille, the Bengals fan, live joining us from D.C. right now, but he took the train to Baltimore for the Bengals' epic 41-17 victory over the Ravens at M&T Bank Stadium. DeVille, first off, how are you? And second off, how was the game? I am incredible i won't harp on it too long but like we all have that one game we go to that's just the special game for my for baseball it's the time i saw helmer bailey pitch a no hitter mm-hmm. for nba it was my i saw lebron hit a clutch three to end a game once mm-hmm. this might be my nfl number one game being in that stadium amongst ravens fans watching that go down was absolutely incredible and i had a great time Ravens fans heckled the shit out of us. They were ruthless, but they were cool. They heckled us in a very unthreatening way. We had an incredible experience. I would love to go to, back to a M&T Bank Stadium maybe next year. Maybe you boys can join me. Great. Yeah, you've got the uh, the proximity there on lock, and you could also, mm-hmm. if the Bengals ever head over to FedEx Field, honestly, with the, the train ride is only being an hour, I feel like FedEx Field might be just as far. <laughs> with the DC traffic from where you are. Yes. Well, there's rumors the uh the WFT, they're trying to get a new stadium here in the district. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Wow. We won't be due to play that team in here in DC for I think because we just played them in DC last year, the day of the the day uh, we yes. will not speak of for Joe Infamous. Burrow. So yes. that being said, I think the next time we play them here will be 2027, 2028. And uh they might have a whole new arena by then. That'd be nice. Mm-hmm. Well, ticket price is probably definitely going to be a little more, but they're going to go way up. Be worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So where I saw you guys were in the, you were in the upper deck there at M&T yeah, Bay. Overall, I know you've been to Paul Brown Stadium. What's what's your review? Do you think, because as a Browns fan, when I've been to Paul Brown Stadium, I've also been to Ford Field for a, not a Lions game, just for an event. And I've been mm-hmm. to, Cleveland Brown Stadium, also known as First Energy Stadium. Now, the Bengal Stadium seems very kind of bland, a little mundane on the inside. So now that you've been at M&T Bank Stadium, what do you think of it? I have now been to five NFL stadiums. Mm-hmm. M&T Bank, I think, wow. ranks a solid number three out of five on my list. Um, okay. The two I will put in front of it was a, it was a great atmosphere. I'll tell you that. The atmosphere was incredible not we were there was about one orange jersey for every hundred purple mm-hmm. terrifying going into that game <laughs> it was so scary we were getting yelled at by everybody i kept my signature move when i'm in a way i do this ah you can't see it it's a podcast you can't see it. i got my arm Swaving all the way up my head like i'm raising my hand for the teacher and i'm just swatting like ah get out of here I'm doing you're, that. I'm just doing this at everyone. Like, ah, you're literally you know. deflecting the insults. Yes, I'm deflecting the hate, deflecting the insults. And usually what's coming out of my mouth is I'm going, we'll be all right. We'll be fine. I'm worried about you. You're who I'm worried about. Usually you hit them with that. 
Mm. They don't have much to say. They, oh, okay. Usually that's a pretty good way to get rid of a heckling fan from a home stadium is the you just wave the arm and go, I'm worried about you. You know, that, that, yeah. that's a good move. Back to your question. I also have been to Ford Field. That is probably the nicest field I've ever been to in my life. The only one I've been to that I would rank above M&T is uh, Lucas Oil, another yep. gorgeous stadium. Yep. And it is probably nicer yeah. to sit inside. It is. It's just, I, I mean, like not to be biased, but like I'm always going to rank a dome or a retractable dome over an outside stadium. But, I'd be, but like, depending on the weather, you never know. Like it yeah. like yesterday was perfect weather. We had a great time at M&T and uh, I, it was a really nice stadium. It was a good vibe. It was fun. I hate to kind of go off on a side tangent here, but there is a certain fragment of the Browns fan base that thinks that they should build a dome in Cleveland. And of course, many people think like, oh, no, it's Cleveland. We need the snow. We need the lake. Yeah, it's kind of the same way. Yeah. Look at the Browns home games last year, and they had three or four that were severely impacted by the weather where like mm -hmm. you couldn't throw the ball. You couldn't kick the ball. And that's not football. Ideally, if you have a team that is strong like the Browns are right now, you want the elements to be completely out of play. Like you, you want the elements are your friend when your team sucks. You know, otherwise, like you should want the elements to be not a factor at all. Like the consistent 70 degree temperature. That's why like Colts with Peyton Manning, you know, succeeded in the dome. Yeah. Isn't it funny that in the AFC North, we are all up North where like snow is very likely to take place. And we are four for four for outside <laughs> stadiums. Like we, we thrive really, on the great AFC North is bred different, brother. <laughs> yeah, because you look like the NFC North, and half of them are indoor teams. The yeah. NFC South is all indoor teams. Like it's bullshit. And then you look about, you look at like Soldier Field, and the fans are always suffering in the December, November games. And the same with Lambo. Same at Lambo. You see yeah. everybody breathing. It's like a cloud is in the crowd. Like everybody mm -hmm. brought a vape to the game, but nope, yeah. that's just their breath. It's like seven degrees outside. However, I will give uh, the, the thing we don't think about as fans is if you have an indoor stadium, it does open you up to way more events throughout the year. You're exactly. not just limited to those eight. Well, nowadays, sometimes nine games you could have like Lucas Oil. They have the combine every year. There's no weather factor involved there. The they have countless final four. games. Yeah, same like you can. Final four, can, Super Bowl. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you can, they, still do, they still do yeah, other stuff whatever. during like the warm months at outdoor stadiums but you're right you when you whenever you have you know the smart the smart stadiums now like you know they're hosting events all year you know the smart but stadiums it's, now it's, are building retractable domes like jerry world <laughs> that's what they're doing seriously so you can have well, at, what la did is kind of cool like their stadium is like open and it's then they have a cover worse. over it yeah right so it's not actually enclosed but it's covered and we it's all, all clear so you see straight through it and you still feel like you're outside because you all learned that during the uh, lightning delay that they had earlier this year yeah when it's like wait a second are we inside no you're not it's a, Boys, I'll, throw a uh, I'll throw a controversial take out there i don't know if you guys have ever been there before but i'm not going to go off on paul brown I, I love paul brown stadium but i'll be honest it's a hideous stadium <laughs> the one stadium i have been to that was i would rank below paul brown straight up is Soldier Field in Chicago. You guys ever venture, ventured uh, over there? Driven past it. Never been inside, though. It's a bummer. Never been inside, but it's, <laughs> I mean, it's 100 years old. So. Yeah. It does I look so cool it. from, like, the I, I get, like, the historic, 
elements to it. It has a nice like historic facade mm-hmm. on the and outside. And they built that alien UFO thing around the outside yeah. of it that looks like a disaster. The city hates it. They yeah. all hate it. Hey, maybe Chicago is one of the first ones to shy away from the bear weather and build their own. Um, yeah, maybe. Bone. That would be an ideal move for a city like Chicago. Like, think about all the events they could host there. Yeah, that's the third biggest city in the country. Yeah. I think someone just told me that they are trying to get a new stadium built. Yeah. They should. In Chicago, so. Preserve Soldier uh, Field is like a historical landmark or something. I don't know. It is a historical landmark. He's right. And the weirdest thing about it is like, you you all been to your stadiums like this like you go up to the nosebleeds the seats are like straight up it's a high incline so everyone can see yeah it's not like that at Soldier Field like the slant is a much more acute angle like mm-hmm. it's hard to see if you're far back it really is and it's uh it's more of a difference maker than you'd think it would be yes but the the view from your seat at M&T Bank Stadium probably a pleasant one despite being a little higher up in the sky you were feeling on cloud nine you were close to cloud nine but on cloud nine throughout the game Bengals, like you said got it done 41 17 and this is the one opportunity we only have two games to break down this week because the Steelers were on a bye so I think Jay Biz and I probably both got to watch a decent chunk of this game and Davili I was thinking like the Bengals never really were in peril in this game they they kind of were you know I don't want to say it was never in doubt because you know this is obviously Lamar Jackson the Ravens who have come back from all these deficits in the past but Bengals seemed to be in control for the majority of the game. It was an incredible experience. I can't believe I saw what I saw, but there are three big takeaways I have from this game. And I'll just, instead of doing a game summary, we all know what went down. Bengals won 41, 17. Yes. Instead of doing a summary, I'm going to say three things I noted from this game. Okay. One, our defense looks legit. And I'm dead serious about that. They took away what like makes Lamar special. What are the two things that makes Lamar special is one, his ability to hold the ball and make a decision. And two, his ability to get up field. If there's a panic situation, he can hit the middle, like no quarterback I've ever seen. Our defensive line and linebacker core was able to stop that all day long. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was a huge difference maker. If he's running like, these runs that are normally a 15 yard gain for Lamar, we're going for like two yards. Yep. And if he's banking on that being his second or third down play, you take that away from him. He doesn't know what to do. It was great. My second big takeaway is, I don't know if y'all noticed, but we had five touchdowns yesterday. Not one single one of them was in the red zone. All five of them were 23 yards or longer. We had a 23 wow. yard run by Joe Mixon, yep. a 45 yard run by Samaj P Ryan. CJ Uzama had two touchdowns. One was over 60. The other yep. was over 35. I don't know the exact yardage. And then Jamar Chase had an 82 yarder. That was incredible. Yep. That was, it's not like we were getting up to the three yard line and Joe Mixon's punching one in. We were making big plays on a big time team for the win at their home stadium. And my third big takeaway just leading into that was how dominant it was. It was incredible. It's not like, it's not like we had two pick sixes and Justin Tucker missed a big field goal to, oh, we, the Bengals are – it's not like we won by one at the end of the game and it was something crazy like that, you know, yep. a wild scenario where there's all these turnovers and all this nonsense at the end that just – we pull the win out of nowhere. Uh-uh. We Not took that dub by more than double what they had, and Not that was incredible to see the Baltimore Ravens at home falling to us like that. It really solidifies – the Bengals are for real and even me as a diehard fan y'all know me 
I'm, I've been Bengals my whole life, but even me at the beginning of this year, I didn't expect this. Yeah. But based on what we saw yesterday, I'm like, shit, they're absolutely playoff contenders. I'm not saying Super Bowl yet, but you got to believe that the Bengals like are that. good. Yet. They the look legit. Really the offense and the defense both look legit. Yeah, Davili, I got to say, you didn't even predict a game like this. Even with your good no. prediction, it was nowhere close to a 41 17 Bengals win. No. And, it- uh, not. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think four of those five touchdowns were on the second half. Yes, yes, JB is correct. Yes, they were. And the Bengals are known for not being a second half team. We're known for it was like in the third quarter. Lamar threw that dime of a touchdown to Hollywood Brown to go up 17-13. And that was that was it after that. After yep. that, the Bengals yes. 21 unanswered and that points. That was in the third that was in the third quarter. Yeah. 21 unanswered points from the Bengals in the second half. Joe Burrow threw for over 400 yards in this game. And Davili, you mentioned the two rushing touchdowns. The Bengals didn't really run the ball all that much or all that successfully for the majority of the game until no, those two not. big runs to kind of seal it in the fourth quarter there. And speaking of running, Lamar Jackson was the leading rusher for the Ravens because their running backs, they were without Latavius Murray. And I think it showed kind of when we looked at the Ravens at the beginning of the year, we're like, oh, they don't have J.K. Dobbins. They don't have Gus Edwards they might struggle running the ball. That hasn't been the case. As we noted last week, our three Kings of the North were all the Ravens backfield mates who were all getting into the end zone last week. But without Latavius Murray, you just got Devontae Freeman and a washed up Le'Veon Bell. And Mm -hmm. they were not able to move the ball on the ground as we know the Ravens offense is entirely predicated on that. Yes. And something that uh, something that you won't see on ESPN or anywhere else is something me and Noah noticed in the stadium yesterday is uh, these running backs. Not only were they missing their holes as rushers, but oh, my God, they were missing blocks big time. Mm -hmm. They are part of the reason why Lamar was under so much stress yesterday. And it's weird to see because, you know, not only not every running back is talented at blocking in the backfield, but uh, with the amount of experience these dudes have, like you think they'd be able to do a little bit of something like there was one sack we had on Lamar where Le'Veon just went up and like just let defensive linemen come back on him. And it was just like, damn, yeah. how do you not pick that up with all your years in the league? It was just things like that. were um, interesting to me. I sometimes think because he was a good blocker before. I sometimes think that like. Yeah. And that he still is. With, that could have to do with like, like the dude sat out a whole year for like. Yeah. Yeah. money and health reasons so i think like that's a dude that i think will play so long because he realizes that he's not going to put in himself in the position to get hurt as much as like right. a young running back would mm-hmm. um, well, i 100% like agree that. with that i 100% agree with that but i'll counter that with it definitely impacted their 41 to 17 loss at home <laughs> oh, i believe that's it. All i have to say yeah, I was say, Jay, if he keeps deciding to play like that and making business decisions, I'm he might be he can out of business. He make business decisions all he wants. It's going to lead to 41 to 17 losses at home. Yeah, he, he might be out of business soon. And yeah. Davili, you hey, mentioned... I don't, I don't think it was a smart business decision. But... Not at all. Davili, you mentioned CJ Uzama, the two touchdowns, the long of 55, a 55-yard touchdown where he was looking pretty agile there getting around Humphrey at the end. Three catches for 91 yards. I actually was going back and forth with listener and Twitter follower, Josh Cagle, former Bengals fan, or not former Bengals fan, fellow Bengals fan, noting that CJ Uzama, if not for Joe Burrow and Dak Prescott, might be a comeback player of the year candidate. Absolutely. Yeah, he's coming off a torn Achilles and he's having a breakout year. There's a, we're going to have to talk extension with him soon. 
which is anything because we've already re-signed him for a little bit of money, but not for what he's not for what he's playing for. Because right. I don't know if you guys remember this, but uh, him and Tyler Croft were drafted in the very same season. Do you guys know who Tyler mm-hmm. Croft is? Yep. He's a backup for the Bills now. Yes, sir. Tyler Croft was drafted by us round four. Round five, we pick up CJ Uzama and. One of them we we resigned. One of them we didn't. Yep. I think you know who. And I it was kind con- it was very controversial at the time because at the time Tyler Croft had better numbers. Right, coming in after Tyler Eifert. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. We, he was he was Tyler Eifert's backup. Uzama was number three on the depth chart. We let Croft walk. We keep Uzama for dirt cheap, and it's paying off. That's worked out. Mm-hmm. I would say the ultimate decision that's paid off big time for the Bengals though is their first round pick this season and that brings us to our king of the north the king of the north no surprise here the king of the north he's probably been a king of the north nominee at least five times now but jamar chase like just give the guy offensive rookie of the year already an unreal playmaker making unreal plays most notably that touchdown where he just was a third down I think it was from the Bengals, you know, 20 or 30 or something. Put the it was from least, the 18. It was three, an 82 yarder. An 82 yarder put at least three or four Ravens in the in the spin cycle, where it was looking like somebody had to have tackled him by that point, but maybe they were making business decisions too. It looked like Justin Houston, the one that ended up chasing him at the end of the play, kind of didn't attempt to tackle him initially because he thought the other three guys would, but that's mm-hmm. why Jamar Chase is a playmaker. He's just going to keep holding on to that rookie of the week belt. They might as well just make a new one and let him fourth. keep that one. His fourth rookie of the week. I don't think it's official yet, but I think we can all, you know, successfully predict that he's going to be the rookie of the week again. But yes. eight catches, 201 yards on the 82-yard, you know, long touchdown. He also had a crucial catch and run to get them into field goal territory at the end of the first half. And it just seemed like every time he would have like a contested catch or like a, you know, an opportunity to catch one, he would come down with it. And that's just, and that's, that's something we know about him in college, which is why I'm glad we drafted him. He is incredible at one-on-one. Yeah, He really is. Um, he's a physical guy. He can't always separate like these other guys can. He can't always burn down the field. Although, although this year he's showing he can, but one of the things he is absolutely incredible at is just going up and just grabbing the ball away from the CB and taking yeah. it into his chest. And he's we saw that all day yesterday. Only six feet tall, too. He's not like he's a yeah, he's tall not, guy. He's not Calvin Johnson. Yeah. No, but <laughs> speaking of tall wide receivers, he is on pace to smash Randy Moss's rookie records as a wide receiver. I think at this point he's projected to have 1,800 yards. And, yes, it's an you know 17-game season, one extra game than Randy Moss mm-hmm. had. Mm-hmm but I want to say it's like 1800 yards, like 15 touchdowns at this point, And just unreal. It is. And I will say one more Bengals stat for fun before we go um, onto something else. Jamar chase now seven games into his career has more receiving yards than John Ross had in four seasons with the Bengals. <laughs> and I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, we love to hit that on is John a Ross crazy here. statistic. Aren't you so glad that you took another top five receiver or a top 10 receiver and it wasn't a bust? Yes, because everyone was saying, oh, remember John Ross? It'll be a bust. Shut up. And then you look at Penny Sewell Sewell on the winless Lions. 
Penny Sewell, who looks very good on the winless Lions, but let's emphasize winless. He's not adding wins to that team. Jamar Chase is actively adding wins. Penny Sewell isn't catching 82-yard drops. No, exactly. (laughs) Jamar Chase, just unreal. The Bengals now 5-2, and head of the AFC North, as I noted at the beginning of the show, and just honestly probably the biggest win in the regular season. And honestly, well, they haven't had any playoff wins, so the biggest win for the Bengals maybe – in the last, I don't want to say the last 20 years, but that's what it feels like. Mm-hmm. Like as far as like what the, the statement that this makes, the the ass kicking that they just handed the, the Ravens, and they put the league on notice. You've got NFL Network people, ESPN people, Fox, CBS, all saying, oh, the, the Bengals are legit. The Bengals are a team to be reckoned with. And no one was thinking that at the beginning of the year. They were all Absolutely thinking, oh, the, the Bengals drafted the wide receiver. They didn't show up that offensive line. Mm-hmm. Joe yeah, most of those guys injury. were ragging on them, and now yeah. they're they're praising them and that, that's that's kissing their boots. Again, JBiz, that's what we're talking about. The media just loves to you know switch their narrative when it's convenient. So that's what we're gonna do here. You know, yes, we've do. always been Jamar Chase fans, although we honestly we have. So mm-hmm. shout out to the Bengals, shout out Joe Burrow, shout out Jamar Chase, Zach Taylor, no longer on the hot seat. I think we can all confirm, at least not for uh, another few weeks. Mm-hmm. He's good. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny we bring that up because that brings us to DeVille's rant mm. of the week. I'm jumping in. Speaking of bandwagon with the national media, where do you guys draw the line? Because this is because you guys just summarized it more perfectly than I ever could. I won't go on that first half of my rant. Y'all just summed it up. Is it fun when the national media takes over and they're all like, the Browns are legit this year? And you're like, well, yeah, no shit. I've been saying that all season. Or they're like, you know, the Steelers. They're going to take over the second half of the season. I, I'm team Steelers now. When you see T- Stephen A. Smith and Colin Cowherd all of a sudden go from hating Mike Tomlin to loving him, how do you feel? When you all of a sudden see him being like, Baker's the worst, and then three weeks later he's like, you know, Baker, there's something to this kid. How do you guys feel? Because it is. It's a sense of half of you loves it. The other half of you hates it. Where's your guys' stance on this? Half of it depends on the person. <laughs> Okay. Like the person saying it, because there's some media members that like, like they'll admit that they changed their mind. They'll be like, look, I wasn't high on this person. Now I am, you know, they're proving me wrong. And like, some of them are just so humble and they're good about it. Like there are just some other media members that I don't like. So whenever they do that, I'm ragging on them about it. It's the, yeah, the ones that are transparent about, Hey, I was wrong. And there have been many people saying I was wrong about Jamar Chase, like this week alone. But then I think the, you know, the talking heads, they never, apologize or correct themselves it's always old takes exposed that does that to them like whenever it's like max kellerman or Stephen a smith or skip bayless or skip bayless even, like, i think <laughs> yeah. i think colin cowherd actually maybe watches the games maybe but he doesn't he, watch he like, seems to he seems to yeah and that's why he hates Baker he's Mayfield. also got that little producer whispering in his ear exactly and <laughs> i don't think any of them like goes back to the Stephen A. Smith talking about Hunter Henry a couple years back for the Chargers when he was out for the season. Like, they don't watch the games. They don't have time because they're expected to watch every sport, every team. Like, they're expected to know everything, and that's just impossible. Yeah. So I do sympathize with them a little bit, but I don't because they're also making, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to talk about sports on TV. That's and, a very good point. They can't yeah. analyze. Like, we know all 53 men on our roster. Yeah. They know maybe 15 guys per Which team. Is, exactly why any afc north should come here for your afc north talk because we know what we're talking about more than the people getting paid money except for maybe you know the beat writers they might know a little bit more because they're you know in the building every day yada 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 but 
we've, we've got our own opinions and they're educated opinions because we have been in this. We've been in the trenches with our teams for years now, entrenched, if you will, in the trenches. Yes. You so can find we, links to our podcast on uh, the comment section of PFF tweets, by the way. Yes, I was, I was getting into it today with some, uh, I think I was a Raiders fan. There was a PFF tweets like, which of these teams is the best in the AFC? And it was, I forget who it was, like the Bills, the, and this guy was, was like. The, it was the Titans, the Bengals, the Ravens, the Chargers, the Bills, and a question mark. Yeah, that question mark. And some guys said, oh, why aren't the five and two Raiders in there? And me, you know, my, I'm trying to, you know, stir the pot a little bit. So I said, well, you know, the Raiders aren't there because we're all rational human beings here. And I think I got over like 200 some likes. Now, of course, after I did it, I realized, damn, I should have done this with the with the at no love lost NFL Twitter to get that free engagement. Because I got a lot of people coming back at me. They're screenshotting my bio, which is predicting the Browns to win the Super Bowl this year. They're coming at me. There was no personal remarks. Nobody coming out to my family or anything, but. I don't know. I muted the conversation, yes. so maybe that's coming. But no, that would have been some nice publicity. Yeah. Your tweet has 305 likes, and yeah. then your tweet under your tweet, repping the podcast, yeah, has one like. And it's, exactly, it's me. Exactly. <laughs> and I did slide in there like 30 seconds after I tweeted that with the um, the no love lost NFL, like from that handle, saying something about their eyeliner quarterback, talking about Derek Carr. And that didn't get any likes. So, so just, you know, he it's all about. Look like he wears makeup. <laughs> yeah, all the time. I agree. He looks like he has eyeliner. Huh? His big eyelashes like me. I've big yeah. eyelashes. If you guys, if you guys want to stir the pot along with me, join us at No Love Lost NFL on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. We'll be there, fending off all the AFC North haters, all those AFC West, AFC South, AFC East. We don't have yeah. time for them. This is the AFC North, no love lost roundtable. Moving on and looking back to Thursday night football, the Browns defeated the Broncos 17 to 14. And for me, this one really hits home. It's a terrible matchup for my mother, who is reminded of, you know, John Elway every time the Browns take on the Broncos. But for me now, um, I talk about my daughter a lot here on this podcast. This was her, this was her favorite matchup. That we could have ever possibly had because she's a big Browns fan, as we discussed, but also she likes the Broncos because her mother drives a new Ford Bronco. So whenever she sees the Broncos logo, she says, go Broncos, go Brown. Like she'll, she'll say both of them. And so she was conflicted during this game. I think she ended up pulling for the Browns. So she made the right decision. Um, there's a little, you know, wholesome family content for you guys, but yes, the Browns pulled it out. 17 14 and honestly this is the most assured i've ever felt from a three-point victory because the broncos just like watching them sucks they are they are a very boring team to watch and like they're not even exciting bad like the deshaun kaiser browns or like Zach Wilson and the Jets, like those are exciting bad teams because like even something, the Lions, you yeah, know, something Lions wonky. Are six, yeah, and they like double fake punts. <laughs> exactly, like they're, they're pulling out all the stops or they're you know turning the ball over in like funny ways. But the Broncos, like Teddy B, doesn't turn the ball over, and it's like a defensive centric team, and it's just it was just boring football overall. Mm-hmm. But you know the limited Browns went into this game and ended up getting it done. And if they wouldn't have gotten it done in this game, 
this would have been one that would probably ruin the season. Like if you lose this game, you go three and four. Yeah, the season's not over, but from a momentum sake, like losing to the Broncos who had lost three straight, you know, that would have been a killer for the momentum in the season. But the, the Browns with Case Keenum, D. Ernest Johnson ended up getting it done on Thursday night. And I loved watching this game, you know, in prime time, they had a lot of like pyrotechnics before the, uh, before the game, they had some fireworks that were shooting off from on top of the stadium. They did a blackout during the, the Browns offensive introductions, which was really cool to see. If you like look back at like some of the Browns Instagram videos and stuff like that, just the, uh, the vibe of the, uh, the uh, stadium in the, like was so cool. Joe Thomas was doing some of the, introductions to like in his like best wrestlemania voice so that was pretty cool um and i haven't seen a lot of teams really do that with like the blackout stadium or like shooting fireworks on top i know some like patriots seem to do that every time they win but that's because they've invested in that because they were on primetime tv so much but i've never seen the Bengals do that no offense no like, they haven't <laughs> not in the budget dearness johnson i spoke on him king of the north nominee Bested, of course, by Jamar Chase, but 169 total yards in this game. A very nice total, if you will, and a touchdown. And he was the uh, player of the game for the Thursday Night Football broadcast. And when they interviewed him after the game, again, more wholesome content. It was just really cool to see him be so grateful. He was like thanking God, thanking his teammates, his family, like very, you know, just you could tell that moment meant a lot to him. He was a guy that was you know, undrafted, spent time in the the XFL for the Orlando Apollos, and then eventually made it into the NFL as a, you know, a third string running back. Yeah. Gets his first career start. Imagine how hard it is but to be behind Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, and it's like, all right, yes. fight for a job. I can't even imagine. Yes. He was one of the last Browns to make the roster. It was him, and it was Blake Hans who started this game at right tackle for the Browns were the last two Browns to, to make the roster to not get cut. So crazy to kind of see how even, you know, the 52nd and 53rd guy end up coming up in crucial situations midway through the season. Um, also, I spoke on Case Keenum, played a solid game. And, you know, Case Keenum is not, he's not Joe Burrow. He's not, you know, Lamar Jackson. He's not Baker Mayfield. He doesn't have the arm talent of Baker Mayfield. But when you watch the Case Keenum led Browns, for me, it was much more relaxing, to be honest. Because when Baker is back there, he just looks so antsy. Even when he's on, every every throw just kind of looks like, I don't want to say hesitant, but it looks like maybe it's because he throws the ball so fast, but he's just like firing it out of there. Whereas Case Keenum, it's just like cool, calm, collected, getting it out to where it needs to be. And he didn't miss many throws at all and you know he's not mobile like that he did have one scramble and on a fourth down in the red zone that was pretty uh pretty crucial to the game there doing his best uh baker mayfield spinning out of a sack impersonation stretching out for a first down so that was cool to see and i think they might be with case keenum again this weekend against the steelers and yeah will uh will baker be back for our uh our little matchup here in two weeks well, his status is up in the air for, for this week, and I would assume his status is up in the air for, you know, next weekend as well. Yeah. I don't know. And it's a situation like the Browns invested in Case Keenum for this reason. He is like the highest paid true backup. 
I think Nick Foles is technically the highest paid backup, but he was, it's like his starter money from Jacksonville that he's still making now. Mm-hmm. So Case Keenum was signed specifically as a backup and has like the, is the highest salaried quarterback who was not paid to be a starter, but they did it for this reason. So if you have, you know, a situation where your starter goes out, you could be assured for a few weeks and mm. it's not like he uh, is the one we want taking us potentially into the playoffs, but yeah. for the time being, it might be a better alternative. I gotcha. Yeah. That's how we are with Brandon Allen. He's paid. Okay. Yeah. He's not paid much, but like, you'd be terrified if he had to finish the season, but if he has to come in for like two weeks, you're like, okay, like it's not ideal at all, but it's not a disaster. It's not Ryan Finley, you know, it's like, (laughs) could could be, could be worse for certain. And, you know, not a great time in the season to have it happen for Baker Mayfield to do all this. You know, you got the Steelers and the Bengals, two crucial division matchups coming up, but to have Case Keenum go against the the Broncos, you know, his former team, one of many. It was kind of cool to see him, you know, yeah. come up clutch for the Browns. And also Jarvis Landry came back in this game, made the start back from injury. He played very well. And it's really, you know, kind of telling to see the impact that he has on the receiving core and on the passing game and on the team as a whole when Odo Beckham has been there for, you know, the majority of the season. Well, actually, they this is their first game they played together, but Odell again did not have a great game. You can't blame Baker now. And yeah. I I've been a person who has been in the camp of okay, Odell Beckham is a great player. He's an iconic NFL receiver. Just give it time, he'll be great. And he was great a few games last season, but this year it's just like I'm beginning to lose faith. So what Corey, do you guys think? Funny you say that because there's a couple dudes I, I follow on YouTube that do like independent broadcasting from ESPN, Fox, anyone big. Mm-hmm. They're very good at what they do. And a couple of them lately have been saying, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think OBJ might be overrated, <laughs> which is I think, wild because- I think if the Browns can get a good trade for him before the trade deadline next week, they would be a really smart team. But what value he had is that there? One season with the Giants where he had 13 touchdowns. Like, yeah, I hate to say, I can't believe I'm saying this because I'm not trying to talk shit, but I really do think we have to start to consider at this point. Was that a fluke season? Was that really OBJ or was that just like a he got lucky type of year? Like, I, it, he's had a couple off years now since he's joined Cleveland, and it's just like, at what point do you? draw the line it, it I, I don't know you guys his, his first season as a brown the brown you know that's the freddie kitchens year they didn't play well yeah i i will at, disregard at that year and he yeah. was playing hurt throughout that whole season which now we find out he plays hurt all the time i guess yeah um but last season he played well he had the game against the cowboys where he basically won the game for the browns had a touchdown running a touchdown receiving the one that he yep. got from jarvis landry and he he went off he had three touchdowns in that game i think he just went off in that game and so you can see it's still there in spurts, but he's dropping a lot of passes and I don't know, man, but he, he also, you know, re-aggravated his shoulder injury in this game. Jarvis Landry, one of the last crucial plays of the game, got some sort of leg foot and in- injury of some sort. So he got hurt again. Uh, Jarvis yeah, Landry he was getting, he had to like it helped off the field at me. Yeah. So the Browns just can't seem to avoid these injuries. Now, Nick Chubb, is looking like he'll be good to go against the Steelers. Jarvis Landry's still up in the air. OBJ will probably play. He was practicing today, Monday. Jarvis Landry was not, as well as Baker Mayfield. So 
Yes. So we'll see how yeah, you that. You guys have each other next week, right? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And something I'll be keeping an eye on is in babe. Cleveland. In Cleveland next week, one o'clock against the Steelers. And something I'll be keeping an eye on in that game is, you know, the, the matchup between TJ Watt on the Steelers defense and Miles Garrett on the Browns defense. And I want to say this about Miles Garrett. It's been said, you know, we don't like the refs here. Miles Garrett gets held on nearly every play, nearly every play. And he got like one call, one, two calls against the Broncos. And I don't know like what it is. Like maybe it's the, you know, the shack type treatment where, you know, if you hold them on every play, they're not going to call it every play, but it seems like he is like every single time winning his matchup and then is held with like an arm or something like that. And I know, you know, there's probably holding on every play we say as NFL fans, and that's likely the case, but it seems egregious. Yeah. Things like that make me really, I really, I'm going to go full conspiracy watch. Drop it in X file sound. Foil hat. Um, full conspiracy watch. I think there's got to be some sort of system in play where like at the beginning of a season, like a couple weeks before the preseason, the NFL has got to sit down with the refs and they're like, look, when you see a play like this happen, throw a flag like 50% of the time. <laughs> like I'm being yeah. dead serious. Yeah. I think those types of scenarios exist where they're like false start. Like, yeah, throw it a hundred percent. Anytime you see one, throw it. Holding, think- throw it like 40% of the time face mask, throw it like 80% of the time. Like yeah. I think those kinds of combos go down because these reps are human. You know, yeah. and and we we you know we argue for the robot refs or the sky judge, and that would probably come in more from like a review, like pass interference yes. type situation. But if you're the the back judge who's sitting there watching, or the umpire who's supposed to be watching, like holding every play, and you see it, like there's something in your brain saying, like, "Well, that just happened on the last play. I can't throw it now," or that just had you know, like so it's eventually like you keep. Like I said about Shaq, if you foul him every play, they, they'll call it some of the time. You know what we should have is we should have we. It's the age of social media. We should have a way where you can just like text in what you think. It should, oh no, it's not a hold, or yes, it's a hold, and whoever wins, that's the call. <laughs> the the evidence vote. belongs to the people. I think they Give tried to, to the do people. that. That that was the uh, the ethos of the the fan controlled football league with Johnny Manziel and Josh Gordon. Yes, where the fans called the plays. I'm sure they might have been something. Text in and be like, "Yes, it's a hold." <laughs> and if enough fans from one team text in, the call is made. <laughs> Let's hope that has to be pretty uh, instant SMS yeah. right there. We might have to space out the play clock, put like a, a minute in the on the play clock for every play. They'd have to so invest the... in some serious servers. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> so maybe Davili, we can contact the competition committee. I'll get on that. They might have the, tomorrow. the text penalty. By the time we get to you know the NFL like 200th season or something I know, like but if that, we do, if we do that, you know some teams are going to miss every call because they just don't have as many fans. Yeah, <laughs> no, it should be a jury system. The Dolphins, yes, you're right. The, the, some, some, some Dolphins, Cardinals. No, Chargers. the Dolphins have fans. I was thinking like the Texans. Yeah, Texans. The Jaguars. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, they won't get the whole all of the UK. Texting in for the Jags. Uh, yeah, the, yeah. Yes, the Brits are Jaguars. saving Jackson. The holding chat. The Jaguars. Jaguars. Exactly. Yeah, we'll see about that. We'll, we'll circle back on that and 
35 years to really to see if we've okay. made any progress with these NFL referees. He's but, got a 35 year plan. Yeah. I don't have any plan. I don't have any uh, faith in their current plan, but regardless, the Browns still got the W even with miles Garrett being held every play 17 to 14 over the Broncos. Also a fullback touchdown in this game from Johnny Stanton. And I want to give a quick Saw anecdote that. about Johnny Stanton. The fourth was a quarterback at UNLV who got hurt and lost his starting quarterback job to a guy named Armani Rogers, who is now the, uh, I guess, rotation quarterback at my alumni, Ohio University. He transferred from UNLV to Ohio after beating out Johnny Stanton for his starting job. Now, Armani Rogers doesn't really play. He doesn't start, at least, for the Bobcats. He does, you know, come in to do some read options. But it's kind of crazy to see Johnny Stanton, you know, leaves the quarterback he played linebacker for a season at UNLV after he lost the job and and he was a practice squad fullback and is now the fullback for the Cleveland Browns and then Armani Rogers is just sitting there in Athens Ohio as a rotation QB so you know two ends of the spectrum kind of how the football life goes one way for some and the other way for others that's kind of crazy though yeah you guys can take that to the bank that's a little fun fact for you to sleep with there moving on to our dick of the week our dick of the week this week, boys, a little Halloween special for you. Dick Witcher. Dick Witcher. Ooh, sounds spooky, Corey. Who is he? Well, Davili, he played for the San Francisco 49ers. He was an eighth round pick in the 1966 NFL draft. So, you know, he went to UCLA. He was a wide receiver. They probably weren't throwing much back in the day. Dick Witcher, an end, I think they called the receivers back then because they would just play at the end of like the line of scrimmage that's so sad look how much the game has changed yeah he wasn't even a receiver he was just an end he was an end now i think defense if you told me he was an end exactly. see he had 46 receptions to lead the 49ers in 1967 now we look at jamar chase he has what like probably 49 catches already in the year at this point like, i don't know how many catches he has but maybe yeah, fewer. He has like he literally has almost 800 yards he is the most of any rookie ever by the way seven right. years into his career i'll just drop that real quick also you know dick witcher not exactly an exemplary nfl career after the um, 1973 season actually he signed with the southern california sun of the wfl i don't know what the wfl is but they, they note here that he scored the winning touchdown for the sun in a game against the Detroit Wheels, the Detroit Wheels, like wheels on a car. So very uh, geographically based names in the WFL. Maybe we'll have to revisit the WFL. Um, he, also, Dick Witcher passed away this February. So RIP Dick Witcher. Happy Halloween. I'm sure it was a great time for you and the Witcher family. Hopefully it still is. So shout out to the Witcher family. Happy Halloween, everybody. And our Dick of the Week, Dick Witcher. Yes. And a fun fact, just to follow that up real quick, the WFL was the World Football League, ah. it was the American Football League that played only one season yep. in 1974. Yep. And its champions were the Birmingham Americans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not a lot of uh, geographically based, uh, you know, good nicknames for Birmingham, Alabama. So guess what? They're, guess what colors the Birmingham Americans wore? I'm, they should be red, white, and blue, but I'm going to say they were like black and white. No, they were red, white, and blue. You okay, good. Okay, good. <laughs> True to form. Yeah. Also, looking back on the past, I asked you guys to do a quick little exercise before we leave this episode today. We're going to look at 
our personal retired numbers. Now, I know each of our teams have, I think you said the, the Steelers have two true retired numbers. The Bengals have one. The Browns have, I want to say, five or six. But this is more for you as a personal standpoint from your lifetime or just maybe even before somebody that you're, you've heard, you know, a lot from your family members or anything. I'll go ahead and start it off for you, boys. My first retired number for me personally in my Brown stadium will be Clay Matthews, Clay Matthews Jr., who played back in the 70s and 80s and 90s, I think even. The reason I say Clay Matthews, yes, I wasn't alive for that, but he was my mother's favorite player. So number 57, Clay Matthews, he had this terrible haircut back in the day, but my mom said he was really handsome. So maybe that terrible hair was just in back in the day, but he played for the Browns, then wrapped up his career for the Falcons. And is a like kind of a guy that's like a fringe Hall of Famer, like has has the numbers, but is more of a stat compiler than anybody that had like a super successful run. You know, he's he's been on like the, you know, the legacy committee for the Hall of Fame for the past I want to say the past like five or six years. I know his daughter is like an NFL media member that's trying to get him in there. Obviously, Clay Matthews the third, his son, former uh Green Bay Packer and Los Angeles Ram. My second retired number in my Cleveland Brown Stadium is number four. I've said his name many times on this podcast, but Phil Dawson. <laughs> For me, Phil Dawson is the the one constant in my Browns fanhood all my life. The one guy that was reliable for the Browns over the years to make field goals and any conditions possible. Of course, you know, talked about being on Lake Erie, the Browns always playing in just terrible weather, but Phil Dawson was the guy you could count on. You need a 40 yarder clutch end of game situation. Phil Dawson, Phil Dawson never really known for having the leg. I hate to extend this podcast even more, but it is kind of strange how like every kicker could just kick a 50 yarder now routinely like a 55 yarder. Whereas we were growing up, we were growing up. That was not the case. Like I think about like JBS Jeff Reed did not have that strong of a leg. Phil Dawson did not have that strong a leg, but these are guys that were like super accurate, you know, anytime they were inside 40 yards, 45 yards. But then once it got to like 45, 50 range, it was like, ah, this is a long one. So Shane Graham, much the same. Neil Rackers, much the same. Not the strongest leg, but we're able to keep it accurate for the most part. Mm-hmm. So those are the two for me. Actually, number four is worn currently by Browns linebacker Anthony Walker Jr. I hope that changes in years to come because Phil is definitely worthy of an actual Browns retired number. But those are my two. Who are you guys? I guess we'll go with J Biz next, the Steelers. Yeah. So like my personal retired, I mean, the first one I'm gonna go ahead and say is Big Ben, obviously. Number Ugh. seven. Ugh. Number seven on the field, number one in our hearts, the, the home state kid. Mm. Yeah, he's just done so much for the organization uh, in our lifetime. Three Super Bowl appearances, two wins. Nice record. What about his um, criminal record? Yes, he's got <laughs> nothing on that story. How many motorcycle crashes does he have? One seven. without a helmet, yes. though. That was irresponsible, but mm-hmm. he's a family man now. He's moved on. Uh, he's moved on, exactly. I could say like a, like someone like like a Heinz Ward and Troy Palomalu. Yeah. You know, growing up, like two of those guys were just so tough. Heinz Ward always laying the hits, always had a smile on his face. And then Troy Palomalu, just so silky smooth, whether it was mm. diving to make a one-handed interception on the ground or timing a, a snap perfectly to jump over 
the O-line and make a sack. They were both awesome to watch for a long time. And uh, I agree. I'll give a shout out, shout out to uh, Miami Dolphins player, Zach Thomas. Ah. The reason why I wore 54 growing up. Yeah. Uh, so I know it's not AFC North, but we'll give a shout out to Zach Thomas as well. Zach Thomas, a staple of every time you would like trade the best players to your team in like Madden 2003, he'd be the one at middle linebacker for sure. He was like a 98 back in the day at those games. So for so Biz, for Biz, he's retiring 7, 86, 54 for Zach Thomas, and 43 for Palomalu. But maybe we should just re- retire Troy Palomalu's hair. Just have some hair hanging down from the little Heinz field that's in Biz's mind. I like that. I, no one else in the NFL can just have that hairdo ever again. Nope, never again. Ever. What about you, Davili? So the numbers I would retire, I have one for the boomers and one for the millennials. Um, okay. For our age group, I swear to God, I would retire 85. 85 is always open, whether it's Chad Ochocinco or Chad Johnson or Tyler Eifert or now T. Higgins, which rumor has it, this is his last year in the 85. 85 has just been a great number for Bengals wide receivers and one tight end who had a hell of a run when he was here in Cincinnati. So I would would retire that just for the fun of it. T Higgins, it's looking like with the new rules change as of next year is going to be wearing number five and not 85. Yeah. But he just he's waiting for that rule because you know they have to like sell out their they have to buy back all their jerseys this all, year yeah. if, they were, if they want to do it. So he should have Ocho Cinco do that for yeah. him. Right. He was a popular player, you know, his first year. Or like he's already been a popular player in the Yeah, league, he is. So I mean, Jamar's he probably had a lot of jerseys that he was gonna have to yeah buy, exactly. buy back to buy back a lot a rookie so deal it's like well maybe i'll just wait the year and <laughs> change yeah. it with no penalty yeah yes and that's exactly what happening he's already dropped a couple times that uh next year he will be wearing five but either way i would uh i would drop 85 for our generation for the boomers out there and anyone who appreciates the appreciates the Bengals for real i would retire 78 for the the great anthony munoz like yes. how could you not um like what more can I say? I don't even need to elaborate on that. The Bengals only right Hall of Famer, correct? I think he is. Yes, I think so. As as of now, anyways, maybe we'll see Ken Anderson get in there at some point. Ken Riley. You should see Ken Anderson and Ken Riley get in soon, especially maybe Jamar Chase. The Ring of Honor now, and Jamar Chase probably in the next twenty years. Yes, after his fifteen-year career, he will get in. Yes. In 2041. Yes. Yeah. You have five years of retirement before you're eligible, right? I believe so. Yeah. Chad's been on the docket the last couple of years. He he hasn't gotten it yet, but it's only a matter of time until Chad gets in. I think he's worthy for sure. He was one of the, he's like top, top three wide receiver for his entire tenure. It seemed like. Exactly. Plus he's in charge of the Madden ratings. He's in charge of who goes up in Madden. (laughs) There you go. What else do you need? Of so course, for Davili, he's a Hall of Famer. 85 for a multitude of men, but we'll just call it Ocho Cinco and 78. Side note about Anthony Munoz. He used to be on a bunch of car commercials for this local car dealership, Rose Chevrolet, that's in like the Hamilton Fairfield area. So JBiz and I have been seeing commercials with that man on it going back to when we were little, little youngins. So oh, yes. Shout out to Anthony that's Munoz. Bad. Shout out to Rose Chevrolet. Is yeah. that a plug for Rose Chevrolet? Maybe the they can get us. No, he was in. He wasn't he in like the furniture fair commercial. He was in those two for Style and Flair. Your best buys, at yeah. Furniture fair with the with the the little guy with that little bald guy. Yeah, whoever he is. Yep. Yeah, he came in at Cracker Barrel <laughs> once with his family when I was eating there. The little bald guy. 
Furniture with style and flair. Your best buys at Furniture Fair. Anthony Nunez was like double that guy's height. It was yeah, really incredible funny. visual. <laughs> incredible yeah. visual. So yeah, shout out to all all of our retired honorees. Shout out to all former players, honestly, including Dick Witcher. Shout out to everybody. Shout out to you for listening to this, listener. Thank you. You've stuck with us this entire time. This is episode nine, week seven recap. Moving on to week eight, the Steelers at the Browns, as we mentioned, and then the Bengals and to MetLife Stadium to face the newly acquired Joe Flacco. I can't believe the Jets. (laughs) Yes, so we'll see. Speaking of Bengals versus Ravens, they're just facing a former Ravens. So it's like Bengals versus Ravens two weeks in a row here. The sequel is out next week. Buy your tickets now. Yeah, I think this one. I was so pissed. I thought we were going to play some no name rando on the bench. Now we're going to play Joe Flacco, which I'm not scared of. Don't get me wrong. I'm not scared of a of a brand new born again Jets Joe Flacco. Make me new again. But I would have rather played the bench. Make me new again. Who knows the name of the of the Jets backup QB? Mike White. Oh, it's Mike White. Yes, of Mike Western White. Kentucky fame, a hilltop. Okay, that's right. It is. Every, yeah, everybody watches Western Kentucky football. I want Mike like, White, not Joe Flacco. He is. He's a he's a uh, hilltopper. Mike White is one of the guys that like comes up as like the auto generated player. I think like that's going to be like a name of him. Like when you uh, when you go on classic teams on like NBA Two K, there's always like six guys at the end of the bench that are just generic players that are sixty overall. That's Mike White. Yep. And it's not even like his Mike real White. face. It's like a computer-generated, yes. like, <laughs> or it's just the the silhouette, the black silhouette. Yes. Yes. So sorry, Mike White, you had your time, but very short-lived. It's Flacco time in New York. Flacco time again in New York. Yes, just what they needed, as if they didn't Great. have enough of him. Thanks for listening to this episode of No Love Lost, an AFC North roundtable. If you like us, well. Obviously, you do here at this point in the episode, so subscribe to us. Please leave us a review and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at NoLoveLostNFL. 